TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. And welcome back to Overnight America. In one hour from now, we're going to remember KMOX news legend Bob Hamilton. Ah, already missed. And there's been an outpour of love and memories for him. You've heard on the radio station Charlie Brennan, Mark Reardon last week, and even over the weekend, his profile was aired a few different times. I have an interview with Bob Hamilton that we recorded in February that I never aired. I used it as part of the documentary series. And I thought this would be the time to do it, and we're going to do that in one hour from now. Joining us now is a friend of the show, someone that we spoke to not that long ago because we love his presentations, and also a longtime radio legend in St. Louis, Johnny Rabbit. How are you? I am fine. I am very good, and it's so nice to speak with you, Ryan. Thank you, and thank you for, for remembering Bob Hamilton. And next hour, I'm so excited to listen to that. What a great guy he was. I mean, you talk about a wonderful, not, not just a, a good broadcaster, a great broadcaster, but a, a very fine person, as steady as steady can be, and a guy that was never short of compliments. He would always say, oh, that was a good show, or yeah, he'd pick out something that, he, that you did that he talked about, and he pulled you into his life. And, and his voice, I mean, it, there has never been another voice quite like that on the radio, and it's not... As he told me one time, it's not his real voice. He didn't really talk like that years ago, but he developed that style. And went in so many years, it was like a half century in in radio, uh, mostly in St. Louis. Uh, and he will be sorely missed, uh, not just because of his voice, because what a great uh, human being he was. You're right. It's strange in this industry of radio anymore. No one compliments anyone, and Bob was that rare exception, and I'm so glad he would do that. Real nice, real nice. And I think we have this as part of the interview. We talked about looking at the ratings, and normally you think the talk show host would look at the ratings. The newsroom wouldn't really worry about that. But he said they were very much involved with looking at the ratings when they came out for KMOX, and what they would do is they would modify their voice based on who was more popular and doing other things in other places. They were always trying to improve themselves. So maybe some of that comes out in what you're mentioning there. That could be. I mean, you know, he was, you know, there are people who don't even look at the ratings, but he would know the ratings first. He would always tell me, well, the ratings are just out. And uh, talk about him. But it, uh, and he was there, and I was there for the most part, 
uh, at night when he was. And he loved working at nights and weekends, as he, I think, one time said, when the bosses are away, he's there. But he wasn't there to play. He was there to work. (laughs) Well, I wanted to ask you about the Fairness Doctrine, because this goes back and it has a lot of TV and radio history in particular, and we hear about it. But it's something that we're so far removed from, you know, 30-some years ago. I mean, we're plus that the Fairness Doctrine was voted out by the FCC. And I wanted to talk to you about it mostly because it's starting to trend on social media again. President Obama has been giving different interviews to news organizations. I think it was The Atlantic and NPR. And he keeps mentioning uh, the the right-wing media ecosystem. And people are pointing out that uh, right-wing media could be a threat to democracy. So what social media does best is they go online and they say, we need to bring back the fairness doctrine that would fix everything and what's going on today. So I thought, hey, how about we get a history lesson? And one person that would know, someone that's lived through all of this and has studied and is very bright when it comes to radio trends is Johnny Rabbit. So I wanted to ask you really the history of the fairness doctrine, why it was put into place, and then ultimately why it was repealed. Well, thank you, Ryan. The uh, Fairness Doctrine had roots going back almost to the beginning of radio in uh, 1912, 1927, 34, the Federal Radio Act, before the FCC. Uh, then the FCC uh, was entrenched, and the actual doctrine itself was created by the FCC in 1949. Uh, it was really to not control people, but it was to give everybody a voice. That was the whole idea. It basically meant that the, the people who owned the licenses for the radio stations, and that doesn't mean the radio stations or the TV stations, and this, were, to me, uh, is important about bringing, possibly bringing back a version of the Fairness Doctrine. The people of the United States own the places where we are on the dial, whether it's radio or television. It's not the owners of them. They have the license. A license can be revoked at some time. But this, this was a way, I think, uh, and it was, a, it was a federal mandate to allow the people, allow the public to be included in this, uh, to present the issues that they had that were important to them. And this could vary from city to city. It wasn't necessarily a, a nationwide interest, but the public interest maybe into the St. Louis area, Kansas City, wherever, and do this in an equitable and a balanced way, an honest way, and have a free and fair opportunity for all types of views, not just a view and an opposing view. There might be five, six, seven, eight different views on the same subject. These could be addressed. These could be put on on radio. And that doesn't mean it was going to be on all the time, but it would also allow stations to present editorials. And we had editorials in KMOX for a long time, Robert Hyland. For many years, did editorials. Basically, he didn't write the editorials. He came up with the idea, and another person actually wrote them for him. But, gosh, that is lost. They can do it again. I mean, anybody could do editorials if they wanted. Um, The Fairness Doctrine, this is a way for the broadcasters to follow the federal communications ruling that stations were to operate in the public interest, convenience, and necessity, and it would make it clear that the broadcast signals were not owned by individuals and companies, but but we are the owners of these signals. So it, it gave uh, you know a background to what people should or shouldn't do. It's like, uh, do we want to have a, a COVID-19 vaccine out without uh, some supervision, like from the FDA? Uh, required goal of the Fairness Doctrine, again, was to discuss important public issues, and the contrasting viewpoints as they related to a certain coverage area. And uh, this was not like politics. This was not equal time. 
this was different than that. That was uh, another case. In the sphere of the regulation of the airways, as a lot of people don't, don't know this, but, uh, you know, radio stations can be fined by the government, and they could also lose their license. It has happened uh, not that long ago in the greater St. Louis area. So what did the Fairness Doctrine do? It helped a lot of people. It helped, uh, as some people think, the women's rights um, issues, uh, alerting the public to health issues caused by smoking, uh, the dangers or the lack of safety of some nuclear power pants, uh, plants. And all in air, these help the they stations get messages across for everybody. I mean, it was really a great outreach, and this could come in the news. Public affairs programming, public service announcements, interviews, as you do so many of, editorials, as I mentioned. And it had to, had to help a lot of people to do this. It got people in rather than just listening and, okay, that's what they're doing. That's what they are. That's a, a left-wing station. That's a right-wing program. But everybody could have some kind of a voice. Now, all of this came to an end in 2011, along with 80 other rules and regulations. And... Uh, maybe it's time to come back. A broadcast license today is issued for eight years rather than three, as it had been for decades, and nobody wants to lose this license. I mean, uh, the stations, radio and TV stations, can be worth a lot of money, a lot of money coming in. So uh, why not Why not let the people have their voice? Why not uh, bring this back? In my opinion, it's a good idea. I totally disagree with President Obama that it is uh, – something that is is dangerous, I think it's a great help to have the voices on the air, like you put the voices of people on the air. What if what if we just gave one side to everything? This is the thing that KMOX has always done. It's been open, it's been fair, it's been free, and it is for everybody. Started with that at-your-service programming so many years ago. So that's kind of my view on it, Ryan. Mm, wow. How about, well, I, I thought the understanding was during the Reagan administration back in the late 80s is really what ushered in the prominence of some uh, talk show hosts like Rush Limbaugh, for example. So right. if I was right, reading true. this correctly, so back in like 87-ish, somewhere in there, the FCC voted unanimously. And this is back when you had to have the equal amount, Democrats and Republicans in there. But they were all put in by Ronald Reagan, and they said it is a First Amendment issue. So the, the Fairness Doctrine is a conflict with the First Amendment. So being able to do this and force certain broadcast entities to do this is unnecessary, and it kind of moved that away. And the argument that I think... President Obama was making is that after that happened, you saw the rise of uh, right-wing media, and he's looking at, he's pointing at Rush Limbaugh and Fox News specifically in these different interviews. So he said, if this was still in place, you wouldn't have had the rise of this type of media. But I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing, the the rise of these other media and these personalities. Yeah, and mostly speaking, look at where we are today. It's even grown further. If it wasn't for, uh, forget about the FCC, look at what the independent broadcaster we can maybe use that term a little loosely broadcaster for the mm-hmm. uh, online but you can see people that are doing videos podcast things that have really no jurisdiction under the FCC they're able to do whatever they want because they have the freedom of the internet to do these things so that's to me even bringing up the idea of the fairness doctrine um, it almost seems irrelevant now because there's so many other options that all of these other people can take to that is even if it was to go back in place then it would just gravitate towards another uh, medium Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and newspapers as well, that they're not covered any jurisdiction mm-hmm. by the government. Newspapers can pretty much do what they, they want to do, magazines, cable television. Now, none of that, uh, cable TV is not under the direction of the FCC, though mm-hmm. we are as far as AM and FM radio. A lot of things have changed, too, with the ownership of stations. Uh, you know, you can have, say, eight stations in a market. Uh, some years ago, 
Well, when this was started in 1949, you could have seven in the entire country. A company could or an individual could have seven AM and seven FM stations. They could also have seven TV stations, but staying with radio could have 14 stations. Now some of these operators, companies, owners have hundreds, dozens or hundreds of, of stations. So it does, it does give these corporations a, a bigger voice. If they want to get a certain thing over, whatever it is, it could be good, it could be, well, you never, you know, it might be okay, may not be that great. But they could use all of those outlets to put on, say, public affairs program, public service announcements. I'll call it what you will. There wouldn't be exact advertising. But, I, you know, this way, uh, some sort of but fairness is a key word in this thing. It is to be fair. You know, maybe starting uh, a community board for radio stations or radio corporations where various members of the community are involved in it. Like the St. Louis Public Library has a foundation board to help guide them. Uh, they don't necessarily follow all of the things the foundation board came up with, which I was a member of uh, for some time. Uh, but it was a way for the public to get in to help. What what does the public library need to do? A lot of times the radio station, kind of the forest or the trees are too close to it and, and not quite sure uh, what the general public wants. So this might be a way to help. Now, we used to have, are you familiar with ascertainment that uh, used to be in radio? Mm, kind of, but you'll have to explain it to me. Okay, the public generally wouldn't know what this is. Um, ascertainment uh, that kind of went out with all this it was was around in the mid-60s to late-70s. This is where a community group would be invited. They could apply to be in this, uh, to come to meetings to talk about the, their needs, what they, what they would like to have done, what they needed help with. It could be any type of person or uh, a not-for-profit organization or whatever. It wouldn't be for businesses. It would be for individuals or, or not-for-profits or organizations. Uh, and they would meet with representatives that had started out being uh, managerial representatives of radio, TV stations. And many times this would be done with a number of stations at one time. It would all be done, say, a meeting room at the Chase Park Plaza Hotel. And you'd have about half a dozen radio representatives there, and you'd bring in maybe um, 20 or 30 people at some times. Maybe uh, that be uh, the discussions would go on for two or three hours, and then all of this would be noted, and a lot of ideas came out of that. A lot of things that people were wanted to do that have now come to pass, uh, that were, they would get their ideas off just their chest to the, the media itself to let them know about it. And this is something like, uh, almost like the uh, newspapers have editorial boards. Uh, this wouldn't be an editorial board necessarily, but a community board. And it could be an idea to bring back ascertainment as a way to reach the people and for the uh, people to reach the medium. Now, a fairness doctrine, maybe not, maybe a different name, maybe a, a somewhat different perception. But I don't think that in any way it is dangerous. I think it would be a great help, a great benefit to the country. Wow. And I wanted to ask you before we go, how have you been? You've been doing all right? You bet. I've been doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> doing great. You've been busy. Uh, it's a different world. There's no question about that. And I, if you don't mind, a short plug? Sure, absolutely. All right. Uh, special program coming up at uh, Oasis. This is a Zoom program. It's going to be Tuesday, December 15th, 10 o'clock in the morning. You get the information at stloasis.org. 
And it's from Vess to Velvet Freeze, a history of St. Louis soda, seltzer, ice cream, dairy, soda shops, soda fountains, ice cream stores, all of that kind of stuff. And it'll be a fun program. Uh, so that's the kind of stuff I've been doing until I can get back in the air. Awesome. And we're all looking forward to that. And it's hard to believe that we're coming up on December, and we were first wondering how long this would last in March. We thought, oh, we'll be back in a few months, and here we are yeah. today, still don't know. Um, Johnny Rabbit, thank you for, so much for coming on, and we look forward to the day you get to return on Saturday nights. Uh, thank you, Ryan, very much. Take care. And he joins us on the Quiver River Electric guest line. Anything you heard there you might want to talk about, this could be fun. So do we need to bring back the fairness doctrine? Do we need to leave it off? Do you think that radio stations need to be more fair? Do you like the idea? Do you hate the idea? Give us a call. It's Overnight America, KMOX. St. Louis's weather station, KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. When I go online and look at some vintage blues jerseys, I love that 1995 jersey. I just really do. I've always wanted to get one of those 95 Grant Fuhrer jerseys. Uh, I've been wanting one of those for a while. Still haven't got it. But today they put out a retro jersey. The retro jersey. The uh, NHL has worked with Adidas to try to put out what, the, uh, what they call the reverse retro jersey. So it's supposed to be like a twist to try to get you to buy something new, I guess. And a lot of people are not happy with these <laughs> twist blues jerseys. So if you remember what the 95 season jersey looks like, you had those, it was like a 45-degree angle. You had the yellow and blue stripes kind of going down the bottom part of the jersey, and then below that was the color red. Same thing, you had the stripes on the arms, and basically from the forearm to the wrist was red. But then everything else was what your traditional blues jersey would look like. You have the blues emblem, numbers, uh, everything looks the same. They had the nice trumpet patches on the shoulders. I think they just looked great. CCM made an awesome jersey back then. But then Adidas puts out this jersey, and I'm sure it's going to be an expensive jersey. I posted a photo online at uh, my Facebook page, Ryan Wrecker Radio. You can find it on there. And I think KMOX.com did an article on it. And I looked at this and I said, what? Why are you doing this? Why reverse the colors? Why make it different? My first thought was, and people have pointed out, there's a lot of red in there. <laughs> That's a lot of red in that jersey. So what are you going to do? Are you going to go to a Blues game where they're playing the Blackhawks and they're wearing a red jersey and now all of a sudden you're wearing a red jersey with it with a different logo on it? You can't do that. Or Red Wings or something along those lines. You think of some of the rivals of the Blues, the ones that just drive you nuts over the years. And I, I keep reading the comments online and everyone says this thing is ugly. Ugly. And to try to get the full idea of what people are saying online, this is basically sums it up. You G L Y, you ain't got no alibi. You ugly, what, what? You ugly, what, what? That's what they said. I mean, who can argue with the internet at this point? They are right. It is pretty ugly. Now, I don't know if you've seen these photos. I think they're ugly. And I'm a Red Wing fan. So I said, okay, let's see what the Red Wings look like. The reverse retro. And we turn it around and it's, looks like a practice jersey. I remember I used to buy the starter jerseys because they were cheaper, but they still were nice. You know, you had your starter jacket. You probably had your Charlotte Hornets or Chicago Bulls starter jacket. Every kid had one at some point, at least in my childhood. I did not. I had a Red Wings jacket. I believe. Did I have one? I think so. But everything was Red Wings. I loved them. I watched them. 
paid attention to them. I'd clip out articles in the paper. I'd talk to my friends about them. And if you were to go on the cheapest route, the cheapest, cheapest, cheapest jersey you can buy, you'd go to some outlet somewhere, and they would have, like, Red Wings practice jerseys that had basically just a mesh jersey, no color changes or variations in it, and it just had the logo patch on front. It was like $20 back in the day. These starter jerseys were great. And I remember thinking, okay, that's how I'm going to do it. I bought a couple of these, and mostly I used them when I played street hockey. It was just kind of cool to have like an official jersey when you're playing street hockey. You didn't have to worry about ruining it. It's a practice jersey anyway. It wasn't like a real one. And that's what the Wings jersey looked like. I was so disappointed. I don't know how much these things are going to cost. They're going to be expensive. Hockey jerseys are really expensive. If I had to guess, what are these, $150 jerseys maybe? Something like that? 200 I don't know. You're but, a tightwad. No, who's going to spend $200 on these ugly jerseys? Adidas really messed these up. If anything, I'm going to go back a year because they put out some really nice retro jerseys. Now, just last season or two seasons ago, whatever it was, where they had the 95 remake, and it was beautiful. Mwah! I would buy that. I would not buy what they just put out there, let alone buying a Red Wings shirt. Why would I waste my money on this? And so many people hate it. I post this online. You can see the comments if you go to Ryan Wrecker Radio. And no one likes them. There's very few. I mean, very few people that actually like this. Let me go through and look at some of these comments, just out of the fun of it. We had about 10 comments on the photo I posted. And here's the reactions. No! Another person said, it's the St. Louis Blues, not the St. Louis Reds. <laughs> Martha says, nope. Denise says, meh. Jerome says, I like the red, but too much red makes it look like a Flyers jersey. Now, Flyers had that more orange color to it, at least I thought. Uh, Aaron said, not great to wear at a Blackhawk game. Sure. Only one person liked it. The only one person that liked it was Emily, who used to work here at KMOX and then took the job over at ESPN Television or Radio or whatever. And she's over in Bristol, Connecticut. She's the only one to like it. And she says, they're all a hater to hate it. Get out of here. If you've seen these jerseys, what do you think? Do you like the Adidas Blues jersey that came out? How about this? We'll go to break. If you haven't seen it, go online real quick to KMOX.com and see a picture of it. You tell me if you think these Blues jerseys look nice. So many people are hating it online. I can't blame them. I think they look ugly. We'll take a look at your weather and some of your calls coming up on Overnight America KMOX. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. News Radio 1120 KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. And welcome back to Overnight America. Ah, kind of a slow night, but that's okay. But thanks for everyone that is listening right now and just taking it easy. We were talking about the Blues retro jersey, and I was looking more at them. 
man, are there, I don't understand why the Blues would allow for Adidas to do the reverse color or any team for that matter. It, you're taking the colors that are established with your brand and you're allowing them to completely throw that out the window. <laughs> I don't like that. Why would they allow that to happen? It just seems so weird from a marketing standpoint and they can't be making that much money off of them. There's not a fan base that are just dying to get a reverse color jersey in there. It seems like when there's a toy line and they say, okay, we're out of ideas, so we're going to put He-Man into space. So we'll put a little space outfit on him, and it'll be He-Man in space, and we'll sell an extra million units, and it never works. It's going to be like one of those. Or like Barbie. Oh, we're going to give her a new hat, and all the girls are just going to buy it like it's brand new. No, I don't think so. Ah, well, these jerseys, controversial to say the least, maybe more people are talking about them online than they are in person, which is fine. There was a story on Fox 2 about Jennings installing these concrete barriers, and I started to see this, and I thought, yeah, it's not just downtown St. Louis, and it's not just some of these other areas that are really having issues. It's all these different areas that are having issues with street racing, and it gets old, and people are just tired of it, and... When I was watching this clip from Fox 2, their news anchor going out and speaking to the people that are affected by this. So the the city of Jennings had placed concrete barriers along the roads. I thought, okay, this is pretty straightforward. People there probably don't like the street racing, but they don't like the inconvenience of these things blocking streets. I get that. What I found very quickly is the people that live in Jennings, I love all these people. The people that at least came out to talk to the news anchors, I love them all. I mean, they are just great. These are the type of people I would want as neighbors because they just sound funny and realistic and down to earth. Like, listen to this story, how it starts. it has been a lot of riffraff, you know, people, you know. Okay, there's been a lot of riffraff, people, that's how I talk. I feel like I would get along with these people. it has been a lot of riffraff, you know, people, you know. And that's referring to the cars that are just flying down the uh, high, uh, the street, the side streets, the city streets, the roads that normally you would have kids out playing, but then you get these cards zipping and zooming and rocking and mocking and all these things. See, that's the type of way I talk. I like this guy. Jennings city officials barricaded their streets from some that head into St. Louis City. Mayor Yolanda Austin says city council approved this plan back in September and some concrete barriers were put up last week. We have been talking probably for a little over a year, looking at um, the different crime that's going on within our city, looking at uh, basically the speeding that we're having a lot of speeding. Mayor Austin says at the end of this week, seven streets should be blocked off. Minnie, Albertine, Lena, Emma, Garishi, Lalite and Sherry. With four more to come on Scott Dale, Clarion, Ellison, and Shirley were Jennings and Ferguson. You know, they're dropping these things off. It looks like the beaches of Normandy when you would show up and then you would see all of those different big metal things that were trying to deflect some of the bullets that were coming their way. Essentially, they're dropping these off in that same kind of way. They're just dropping these things and hoping it'll stop the street races. And they're going to be so littered on the streets of St. Louis because they can't get a hold of these people that are out there hot dogging on the roads and doing stupid things, putting people in danger, other people in danger. It's nuts. Honestly, if they were to set up traps, you know, if there's some dude that's flying through downtown on Tucker or Washington or some of these other places where they started putting up some of these barriers and the, and the dude gets stuck in like completely wrecks his car, I would be a hundred percent fine with them getting zero money for the insurance for being stupid and 
hot-rodding down these uh, side streets, and these city streets. It's so stupid, This what goes on here. And I can see why if you're in a residential area, you'd just be completely frustrated with it and just ready for it to be done. But then again, you got these cylinder blocks littered all over the place. She says this is paid for by the Capital Improvement Fund. Residents in the area, the council members in the area, the police in the area. And again, we heard their cry and we decided to kind of see and evaluate what areas we were going to start with. I talked with residents on Garishi about their new concrete neighbors. All right, what do you think the residents think? Uh, so far, we're one for one. I think these residents are pretty awesome. Let's see what he says. Uh, they look like giant Legos that you can't play with. Okay. <laughs> oh, really? Hmm. That's uh, actually a very well, well thought out point. Uh, they look like giant Legos. That you can't play with. I, I would be a friend with this guy immediately. He sounds hilarious. Some calling it a win and a loss. It's slow down the riffraff. People speeding up and down the street, hitting people's cars and, you know, doing their thing on the street, shooting and coming from Jenny's, coming from St. Louis. These barricades create a dead end. It's a good idea, but it's in the wrong place, I think. Smith says he can't back out of his own driveway. Oh, I'd be so mad. I can't even back out of my own driveway. Yeah, you see this riffraff shooting around, zip, 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 zipping. This guy is so right. Uh, forget about city council. Forget about the mayor. You talk to this guy. He'll tell you what to do in the neighborhood. Uh, really, these are the type of people you need to go to because they got an answer to it. Services are reversing down the street. Do you think this will stop it? No. They're going to hit. Sooner or later, they're going to hit that. Right now, I'm in the city of St. Louis, and over here, I'm in the city of Jennings. Now, the mayor tells me not all of the barriers have reflectives on it yet, but they will all have them at some point. It is a bit of a hassle. I have to go around. I have to go all the way down. Then I have to go all the way up. Then I go all the way around instead of just being able to cut right through, right? Yeah, it's what a pain. Now, imagine you're trying to get to school, trying to get to work. That just disrupts the flow, and you got to figure that. And they mentioned the garbage trucks, the school buses, things like that. Big hassle for them, too. Not liking it so far. they got to talk to the people on the street and figure something out. But, you know, you can't blame them for putting these things up in Jennings. You probably can't either. It's really getting tiring to see all of these different hot rodding cars out there doing stupid things, causing damage, and really putting other people's lives in danger. 314-436-7900. Let's go to Brian, who's calling in. Welcome to Overnight America. Yes, uh, good evening, Ryan. I just wanted to comment on the uh, Blues jerseys, the ones with the red down at the bottom there. Yeah. You know, they the Blues actually paid a New York fashion designer, I think a million dollars, to come up with that new, you know, that, that new design. And like you say, they were ugly, and everybody was laughing about them. I was living in California at the time. And uh, with blues would come on to play the sharks or whatever, and people would be saying, "What is with this red stuff on the jerseys?" Everybody was laughing about that, but the team played a million dollars to have that actually designed. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Oh, I'll tell you my thoughts. I love the '90s. It's the one that they put out today that looks ugly. I think back in the '90s. Keep in mind, I wasn't living in St. Louis. I was just someone that would watch the Red Wings and the Blues play frequently because they were in the same division. But when they busted out those those jerseys in '95, I loved them. I thought they were so cool looking. Maybe it's just a local thing where people criticized them. But the ones that they came out with today, they reversed it so the top part is all red and it looks so wrong. 
Oh, um, I, I haven't I haven't seen that yet, and I don't think I really want to see it. But I, you know, no. <laughs> I you didn't like the one in the nineties either. What's so that? like the one back in '95? You didn't like that one either. No, no, that 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 thing with the red down at the bottom was like totally foreign to anybody who was a blues fan. And it's like I was saying, I was living in California at the time, but out there, even all the hockey fans out there were laughing about it too, saying, "What is this red on a St. Louis Blues jersey?" You know. So it wasn't only St. Louisans who didn't like that. But it was kind of, again, a lot of people, you know, hockey fans out there in Northern California uh, also kind of thought it was it was ridiculous and that it was bizarre. But the Blues paid a million dollars to some fashion designer to come up with that. And whoever that guy was walked away with a nice little profit for something that most people were laughing about. Wow, so. 95, that million dollars is worth a lot more, too, oh, yeah. compared That's, to what it know, would be today. About $2 million a day or maybe more. So, Wow, mm. a lot, yeah. Brian, thank you for your call. Good to hear from you. Mm. I wonder you. if this fashion designer could sue Adidas for, like, stealing his design. Because I don't exactly know what the deal is, but sometimes you find these, even though a team or a organization contracts another team, organization or, or a designer to do certain things there's normally a scope of how they can use it and if they decide to do something else with it that's outside of that scope the original designer or that company that put it together could sue and say ah oh, this is outside of that scope you're not allowed to use it great example of this now i don't know if you remember this but it was i think it was mike tyson who had all of these different tattoos on his face you would think once you pay a artist to put tattoos on your face that you would own the artwork on your face, but that's not actually the case. It was fine for Mike Tyson to walk around with it, but when he started making movie appearances and that artwork was shown in those movies, the artist, the tattoo artist said, oh, we didn't give permission for that. You don't have, you're not allowed to sell it and show it off for media or resell this because it's my design. And he got into some uh, legal troubles because of that. So I wonder, too, if there was a designer for it that was outside of the blues, if that is outside of the scope of what they would be allowed. That would be interesting. All right, we'll take some more of your calls coming up, and we'll do that right after the break. So if you're holding on, don't go anywhere. It's Overnight America KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com There have been a lot of riffraff. You know, people, you know. <laughs> I love that guy. We're going to honor the late Bob Hamilton in about uh, 20 minutes from now. So right after the 10 o'clock news, I think you're really going to enjoy it. It's an interview where we sat down in February, asked him a lot about his memories, how he got started in radio, how he got to KMOX, and really some of the thoughts of the great legends he worked with as he was becoming a legend himself. So Bob Hamilton, a remembrance of him. That's coming up in about 20 minutes. Let's take a few more of your calls. And Hugh has been holding on. Welcome to Overnight America. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I just heard uh, Johnny Rabbit, Ron Ells, uh, and uh, it brought back to mind the fact that he was helpful with the Goldenrod Showboat, uh, which uh, ain't dead yet. Uh, it, uh, uh, we still have in storage... Uh, the best of the historic artifacts from the Goldenrod. And mm -hmm. uh, we only need to raise 5 or $10 million to get the thing going again and put it down there on the river uh, just south of the Eads Bridge. 
uh, mm-hmm. which I'm, I'm sure we'll accomplish once we've raised our 5 or $10 million. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking at the pictures of this thing. Where is it right now? Uh, it, it ate right now. It sank. Uh, but oh. <laughs> the, best, the best of the stuff from it, we have in, in a couple of storage lockers uh, that are costing us 200 bucks a month. Uh, uh, but we need to raise that that money to... Uh, uh, reconstruct it, which will be, it'll really be better because it'll have a steel hull. The old one had a wooden hull. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will have a steel hull. Uh, it never operated under its own steam. It was always pushed. Uh, but we'll be able to take it to different locations like St. Charles was very excited about when they had a, a recently had a, a bunch of artifacts from it up there at their yeah. 250th anniversary. And we'd also, in the winter, be able to take it down river to New Orleans or Memphis or wherever. Yeah, uh, yeah well, that's neat. We, uh, yeah, I'm and, looking and, at some of the and, photos right now. It does look like a pretty neat thing. They have its own Wikipedia page. That's pretty neat. Uh, oh, uh, uh, yeah. But, but my compatriot in this has created all that stuff, and, and uh, uh, he lives in uh, Jerseyville, Illinois. And for a while, the golden rod was parked up on the Illinois River, and he fell in love with it. Mm. And uh, but but uh, what people could do if they would like to find out more, would like to help, they can go to goldenrodshowboat.com. Goldenrodshowboat.com. All right, cool. You thank you very much for sharing that with us. I don't uh, remember any of the showboats or things in the area. The one that I really missed out on was the McDonald's Riverboat. I really wish I could have had a chance to go on to that. And I know my son would have loved it. He would have. He would want to go every weekend if that thing was still there. Let's go to Boomer, who's holding on. Welcome to Overnight America. Hey, how are you doing tonight? Doing good. Good. Hey, um, y'all were talking about those concrete barriers, you know, um, yeah. there. They're necessary, but they're downright dangerous. I'm an Uber driver, and every once in a while, they'll just show up out of nowhere. And uh, anyway, uh-huh. uh, we you don't know the area. Get, yeah, oh that could God. happen. All over the place, yeah, because the, the GPS doesn't see them. <laughs> um, I have something I really would love to share if you would uh, allow me. It, it's a, in tribute to our police officers sure. who uh, are trying really hard, but... It's an uphill uphill battle. Okay, Boomer. Go um, ahead. Yeah. I, I wrote this, uh, and it's entitled, For All the Men and Women Dressed in Blue. Mm-hmm. In our hearts and deep in our souls, we hold you close, those of you who wear the blue. We shall always honor each and every one of you for what you do. For without you, we would not know what to do. Let there be an outpouring of love and praise for you who choose to dress in blue. Sadly, many these days do not speak to you or believe in you the way we should do. We best wake up soon and put our trust in you, for without you, there may not be a red, white, and blue. Blessings to each and every one of you. Oh, that's very nice. I'm glad you shared that with us. That's really nice. So, well, anyway, um, had, to, had to write that. I'm not a poet, obviously, but the meaning hopefully came through. That was very nice. Thank you, Boomer, for doing that. I appreciate it. Have a great night. That was really nice. We don't get a lot of poems on the radio show all that often. 
Should I start writing poems? Uh, the closest we had to poems, I believe, is when Jerome would call in and do his rap. He would have certain songs that he would produce for us. In fact, he did so many of the classic songs here. Him and Doug should do a collaboration one day. <laughs> uh, being able to do something like that. Well, we're just a couple of minutes away, and what we're going to do is play a interview from earlier this year in February where Bob Hamilton and I had a chance to sit down and just really talk about everything KMOX related. I wanted to know how he got started with the radio station, what it was like in those early years, where it went from there, things like that. And I really do miss Bob Hamilton. And unfortunately, I only had the opportunity to meet him that one time. I wish I would have known him longer. He was one of those guys. Uh, Kevin Klein did a great whole nother story on Bob Hamilton, and it aired earlier today. I guess we might have an opportunity to replay that real quick because, let's see. Oh, yeah, we got uh, two minutes here for, yeah, let's play it. Bob Hamilton was never moody, at least at work where I knew him. For years, every Thursday, he'd arrive in the newsroom about 4 in the afternoon to start his Thursday through Sunday workweek shift, and he would bound in on the balls of his feet, calling out everybody's name. Hello, Carol. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Brian. Hello, Maria. The weekend is nigh. And then everybody at their workstations, all the reporters, would call back in unison, Bob Hamilton! And he'd go, hey! Bob was a man who never really packed a, l a lavish lunch when he'd come to work. Usually he would have one of those little cups, uh, 89 cent cup of just add hot water, chicken, and noodle soup. Or if he came in and saw that there were some leftovers on the table from some free food event earlier, he'd get very jolly. Ho ho, there'll be news tonight. After he retired, the newsroom just wasn't as fun. So I stopped by to see Bob Hamilton in retirement a couple of years ago. Now I am old and retired and very happy, and I've never been old before. It's a new adventure. So I like to do what I like to do. Do you still listen to 11.20 a.m.? Oh, I sure do. Yeah. What do you think? Uh... I think I'm glad I'm not there. I'm, I'm, <laughs> no. Wait, what does that mean? Well, it, in a good way. Bob was asked if he ever missed the newsroom. Yeah, I do miss that. It, it's a magic thing. Radio, when something happens, something catastrophic happens, everybody, without a word, just pitches in and does what needs to be done. Charlie Brennan's producer, Chris Myhill, described Hamilton as unflappable. He said if the network news dropped out or there was some emergency, Hamilton would calmly fill the time reading a stack of extra stories he always kept lying around. One time, Charlie Brennan was stuck in traffic and supposed to be on the air shortly after Hamilton's 1 o'clock news. I found somebody in a nearby car who had a cell phone. I called in the station and said, Bob... You've got to stretch the news out for as long as you can. He got the news at six minutes after one o'clock, and he stretched it till 1.28 with local news until I got into the studio. And for that, I am eternally grateful. Near the end of our visit two years ago, I asked Bob Hamilton to let us hear it one more time. Oh, Bob Hamilton, KMOX News. <laughs> Oh, Kevin, thank you. Oh, Kevin. So we're going to air an interview, an hour of interview of Bob Hamilton in honor of him who passed away last week at the age of 82. I hope you enjoy it next on KMOX. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. 
news. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.